Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast, the 23rd of January, 20, January, 2023. Yeah, that's right. I'm Derek Hunter. Welcome to it. Happy Monday. We made it through another weekend, or unfortunately, another weekend is over, or however you choose to look at it. I fall on the more pessimistic side. That's just me. But I appreciate you guys very, very much. I appreciate uh, all the kind feedback and everything. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. I... Uh, yeah, hope your weekend was good. Went out to dinner to a new restaurant on Saturday, and it was, the ambiance was better than the food. Let's just put it that The food was fine. It was, it was a steakhouse-ish, kind of lower-end steakhouse, but in the city we live in, there ain't a whole lot. I mean, I don't even think, yeah, there probably aren't many other options. But uh, it, was good. it was a nice place. The girls loved the atmosphere, and I guess the chicken fingers were good but frankly the macaroni and cheese that they got looked like craft it just everything was like good but not great it could have been great i'd have paid more for great but it wasn't cheap to begin with so hope you had a better weekend than that and then we wake up and uh, i gotta get bang this together quinn is not i swear to god just give me a week give me some time give me a good break with the kids we got Quinn throwing up three weeks ago, then the wife throwing up, and then Bailey being sick with temperature. And, and now Quinn has a sore throat and a stuffy nose. Took her to the clinic because yesterday she had a sore throat, and then today she had, a sore, she had a sore throat in the morning. I gave her some Tylenol. Took her temperature, all that. No temperature, nothing. Gave her some Tylenol. Monitor, asked her throughout the day. She never took another thing of Tylenol. She always said her throat was good. I thought maybe because she was snoring. Had her mouth open, maybe her throat dried out. No, she woke up again on Sunday. Her throat hurts, blah, blah, blah. Took her to the clinic. They swabbed. Plus, she has stuffed nose. They swabbed her nose to check for flu. They swabbed her throat to check for strep. The initial results are negative. They think it's just a cold, but it's just such a pain. You just want a a day, give me a week, whatever, where it's like everybody's good. Let's have some everybody be good. I got stuff I want to do that I can't do because I got sick kids. And I got things people want to have over that we can't have over because I got sick kids. And it like the kids went on Thursday to chorus. My wife signed them up for chorus so they could go and sing with a bunch of other kids. And I just know one of those little booger... I've been there. I've seen these people before. There's the coffin. If you're sick, stay home. What the hell? Oh, but I don't want a little, little Timmy miss out. I want to smack little Timmy. Okay, Actually, I don't want to smack little Timmy. He doesn't know any better. I want to smack little Timmy's parents because little Timmy's parents should know better. Oh, you're going to miss one day and not get a whole bunch of other kids sick? Well, good for you. Right? I want to get these kids. I want to get the parents sick. I want to leave the kids alone. I really want to get the parents sick. Actually, I'd much rather just, you know, smack them upside the head. Stay home. Anyway, enough about this crap. Hopefully it goes away. Hopefully it goes away quickly. We shall see. There's still no fever, so there's that's good. And if it's just boogers, then fine. But still, stop going, plates. Stop bringing your kids somewhere. Back in my day, you powered through it. Yeah, you're not a four-year-old, okay? Power through it at home. 
Sit there and let the kid blow their nose right into your mouth. You're going to power through it. Who the hell cares? Get all your coworkers as sick as you want. Leave kids alone. Stop being a jackass. Anyway, at the end of the program, I'll give away the uh, signed books and announce the new contest for this week. It's this week. It's uh, what the hell is it? It's um, David Petruccia versus Mike Lee. So. You'll find out who wins what at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com at the end of the program, as my mother used to say, and uh, we will do it all again, again. So let's get on with the show. There is a lot of stuff going on out there. Let us uh, dig, dive, delve, delve. We've got a lot of words for the same thing. I wonder, that, well, there's X many millions of words in the English language. It's because people sit around and go, this word isn't good enough. Let's come up with another word. Let's do another word. How about we do this? How about we do that? How about we just, I don't know. We master the words that we currently have. Then we can see what goes on from there. Like I said uh, the other day, Alec Baldwin has been charged with involuntary manslaughter. I still don't understand how it is that he's been charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. But he did. It sounds like he, you know, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm not one to take, and this, I won't stick on this very long, but I'm not one to stay, to be super sympathetic to Alec Baldwin or any lefties. But I just can't help how I look at things and how I see things. I just, I can't do it. I can't unthink thoughts. And so you look at the story, and it sure sounds horrible. The woman was shot. He had the gun. He had live. New thing we learned is that he had live rounds in his belt, in his gun belt. And he said he didn't have any live rounds, didn't know anything about live rounds. So you sit there and you go, why the hell are live rounds even on the set, okay? If you need to show a bullet that looks real, you can make a real fake bullet. Why do you have live rounds on the set? It's wildly stupid. That's why I think the... The woman who managed the, the girl, really, essentially, she's not a girl, but the woman who handled the guns, it's her first movie, it's her fault. She's wildly stupid. The sad thing is, the scary thing is, if, she'd, if nothing would have happened, she would have gotten away with it, and who knows what she would have done in the next movie. But um, not that you can get much worse than somebody being killed on their movie set. But uh, Alec Baldwin is facing a lot of bad PR at the moment. Don't worry. Just like Joe Biden is facing a lot of bad PR at the moment, sooner or later, and it's usually sooner, the shift will happen. The tone will change and it will become more sympathetic to not ever be fully sympathetic with Baldwin because if you get really super sympathetic, it will be, uh, it'll be seen as morbid. And they, they don't want that. But it'll be more sympathetic in the, oh, shucks, he didn't know what he's doing. And really the way that that'll happen is they'll start blaming the the woman who was handling the guns. They'll shift the blame from Baldwin. But until then, Baldwin is facing a, a storm of bad publicity because he pulled the trigger. He obviously pulled the trigger. He said he tried to claim, I didn't pull the trigger, I didn't pull the trigger. There's no other way. The FBI looked at it, everybody looked at it, and common sense dictates that there's really no other way for a gun to have been fired except for somebody pulling the trigger. They don't just go off unless maybe you drop it or throw it or whatever. 
So that is impossible. It was an absurd lie. But he's also being criticized for at the time of the shooting, he was outside. And there's those famous photographs of him on the phone. He's upset. He's crying. He's sort of grabbing his head. He's, I imagine if you accidentally shot someone, you'd have a fairly similar reaction to it. It wouldn't be, you know, you walk out and you go, hey, where's the, where's the craft service table? Where's the food? <laughs> that wouldn't be your first thought, I would think. You'd be rather upset. Maybe you'd pull your hair and maybe you'd make a phone call to somebody in your family or whatever, somebody you trust to go, oh my God, what the hell is going on here? But he's being criticized because he didn't go back into the building where the shooting took place while paramedics feverishly worked to save the woman's life. That's actually a good thing. And I don't think he did it consciously. And he may have been outside because of a a selfishness it may be coming from a point of selfishness but it's a good all you need anybody inside is just going to get in the way unless they are a medical professional at that moment stay the hell out of the way now if you're the person responsible for the person lying on the floor bleeding to death and it was a pure accident and you're just sitting there going oh my god what the hell is going on here you're be, going to be more inclined to try to get in the way, to try to get up there. Are you not? Are you, what's going on? You're almost in shock at that moment. So staying outside, not running in and checking is perfectly normal. Again, I'm not trying to justify what Alec Baldwin did. I'm just trying to explain maybe why Alec Baldwin did what he did. It's not to absolve him of any responsibility. It seems like there is plenty of irresponsibility to go around. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing turns out. He's not going to be arrested. He's going to be given a date where he's going to uh, have to show up in court. He's facing like six and a half years. Um, I'm torn. You look at that situation and you go, well, I mean, he was handed a gun by somebody who was supposed to make sure that that gun was safe, that that gun was secure. It, It... it, it it can't be his fault that somebody snuck in. He didn't load the gun. But what you're supposed to do is when somebody on a set hands you a gun, it's your response. You become responsible for it. You immediately check it. You don't take somebody's word for it. Just like when you hand it back to somebody, they don't take your word for it. You know, to say, well, here's a gun. It's all good. Go ahead, willy-nilly, throw it, point it around, pull the trigger, go nuts, have a blast. That'd be wildly irresponsible. There are certain regulations and rules that are uh, in the movie business, union rules mostly, that have to deal with this. I don't know that they are. there are legal complications added to it as well. But uh, I just don't know how you handle this. I think the real problem here is I had no idea that they ever used real guns on movie sets. Did you? I didn't I didn't know they used real guns on movie sets. Why would you ever use a real gun on a movie set? What would be the point of having a real gun on a movie set? You're not showing the camera looking right up the barrel and there's the gun, the bullet sitting there. You could still get that shot if it's lit properly. You still get that shot with a fake bullet or a fake gun. Why in the hell would a gun capable of firing a bullet 
Forget about live ammunition. That's another story altogether. But why in the hell would a gun capable of of firing a bullet be on set? And I know, oh, well, they need to be able to fire blanks and shoot squibs. And you get that blast. You get the real kickback and you get that little blast of the paper that comes or the cloth that they stuck in. It comes out and it looks like the bullet fired. Okay. You can't tell me there isn't another way around that. For one, you could, I don't know, use a uh, computer to generate that. It just seems bizarre to me that they would use a real gun. Unless and until, you know, if it's real time, really you're going to fire this gun and you need that blast and that squib, then you bring out the real gun with the blanks in it. You load it in front of everybody. But when you're just messing around and doing camera tests and everything, do you really need a real gun? I don't know what that when. uh what was it after this thing? I think that uh, The Rock, maybe it was after a, a real shooting, a mass shooting. The Rock said they're never going to use real guns or whatever on his uh, set anymore. I think it was after this. That they're never going to use real guns on any of his sets anymore. That they're going to use computer, not computer generated guns, but they can they can make a gun have make all kinds of noises and everything. But you can computer put on the the flash if you want. There are plenty of ways around this. I'm all for realism in movies, but uh, it just seems wildly stupid. I don't know. I don't expect... I don't know. It's New Mexico. Maybe Alec Baldwin will be convicted of this. Personally, I look at this. He's definitely got some negligence. He's settled a civil suit on this. Criminal liability. I don't, I'd have to hear more of the facts. I'd have to hear the timeline of leading up to this. But it sure strikes me as though the person who loaded the gun, who was responsible for the gun safety, has a hell of a lot more responsibility, if not all of it. Well, not maybe not all of it, because Baldwin should have checked it. But then what the hell would happen if you, you open it? Okay, well, I'm going to check this to see if there's, you know, to make sure that it's fake and safe and whatever. And then you find a real round in there. What in the hell does that do? Then again, oh, this is the last I'll say about it. There have already been shootings. They put real bullets. They had discharge, as they call it, discharge issues on the set before this one. So maybe Alec, the producer, should have been aware of this. I'm looking at the news, at my Twitter feed and whatever, and it's got to be good to be a Democrat. It really does. It used to be good. Democrats were like nice to uh, Kirsten Cinema, They loved Kirsten Cinema. She won. She beat some Republican. I don't even remember who the Republican was that she beat out in Arizona. Oh, no, I do. It was the, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was the uh, female pilot woman who had no, no personality whatsoever. I think she was appointed to the United States Senate. So she was running as an incumbent. And uh, Kirsten Cinema beat her pretty handily because she was just a terrible candidate. Republicans, they can come up with tap and putt shots and terrible, I don't know, terrible, terrible candidates to come in and and, and take uh, the jobs. And I don't get how bad Republicans are at, at finding candidates. I'm sorry, I'm trying to look up who the hell she beat, but it doesn't really matter. But now that she's an independent... Now that cinema has left the Democratic Party, she's become an enemy of the state. She has. She's become an enemy 
of the state, the state being the Democratic Party. And so you end up with glowing press coverage for anybody and everybody who announces that they're going to run against her, even though she, if she runs for re-election. I don't know that she's announced that she's running for re-election yet. But if she runs for re-election, there's a Democrat running against her. Now, the Democrats, look, they're, and when somebody leaves the party, there's a void. One of the two major parties running as a candidate for one of the two major parties, you, it's a wild advantage. You get a money advantage because people will just give to the party. They're just stupid. They'll give to whoever the party candidate is. There's also easy access to the ballot, where they have the party apparatus, by and large, for Senate seats in particular, that uh, have they're set up to get ballot access. You don't have to deal with that hassle, that headache. But um, when it's a Democrat on Democrat, it's not news. It's not if, like I said, Kristen Sinema, in, you go back four years, the press coverage she was getting in her first run was favorable, to say the least. Favor- because why? While well, she is young, she's good looking, she is bisexual. All of the the boxes that she checks... Okay, she took Jeff Flake's seat. The boxes that she checks in the hierarchy of left-wing victimhood are uh, the boxes, the preferred boxes, that the left wants checked. And so you think that she would be a shoo-in for re-election, or at least support from the Democratic Party... favorable in some way with the Democratic establishment, something like that. But no, she is not. Martha McSally just found the name. Martha McSally. She is not because she left the party. Now, the only reason she left the party, well, the only issues she disagrees with the party are the filibuster and court packing. Basically, she just says, no, I don't want the, the Senate to become the House. Part two with fewer members, want it to be the deliberative body that it was supposed to be. Well, the left doesn't want that. They want to ram through what they want to ram through. So anybody who can put up against her, who has a realistic shot of winning, they are going to go crazy for. And this is, I'm looking at Newsweek. Newsweek magazine is a shell of what it once was, but it's still Newsweek magazine. It has a good social media footprint, has a readership that skews to the left, to say the least. There's a Democratic representative from the state of Arizona, Ruben Gallego, who has announced that he's running in 2024. He wants to beat Kirsten Cinema. He is getting, it's like, there are three stories right here in a row. Three stories about Ruben Gallego. He's announcing that he's running. He's, oh, it's wonderful. We have an exclusive. We have this. We have that. We have the other thing. Ruben Gallego. Have you ever heard of Ruben Gallego? I bet you've never heard of Ruben Gallego in, in any context other than the possibility that he might run for Senate in Arizona and challenge Kirsten Cinema. He's just, uh, you know, he's Hispanic. That's the box he checks. I don't know that he checks any other boxes, but he's a dude. That's a strike against him. But he's running against somebody who, while they checked all the boxes and the right boxes when they were Democrats, now misses all those boxes are irrelevant. It's amazing. Those boxes become irrelevant the second Kirsten Cinema becomes a 
and independent. She was so historic. She's the first bisexual United States senator. Democrats were proud. They were fundraising off of it. They were drawing attention to it. They were congratulating themselves. They threw out their shoulder, patting themselves on the back about how how progressive they were to have a member of their caucus be the first bisexual United States senator, openly bisexual United States senator, whatever, however they phrased it. Now that she's gone independent, believes all the same things, all the same things, she's just not a part of their caucus and is viewed as an enemy of the state because she will not kill the filibuster. They are now throwing everything to the wolves. When she was a Democrat in good standing, criticizing what Kirsten Sinema did, stood a better than average chance of being called misogynistic or uh, biphobic or whatever, homophobic, whatever you want to call it. It was the typical left-wing playbook. Once they realized that she was not going to be their puppet, they chased her into the bathrooms, they chased her out of the class that she was teaching at Arizona State, they marched and screamed and made noise outside her home, they threatened her life, they did everything you could possibly imagine to make her life hell. They ultimately chased her out of the party, and now they want to chase her out of Congress. Boy, howdy, not that long, 20 minutes ago in the blink of an eye in human existence. She was a hero. She was a champion. She was a pioneer as the first bisexual. Now it's just a joke. Democrats are, to say that they have, there's situational standards. There's situational ethics. There's situational character. And the situation is as long as they get their way, they're all right with you. The second you cross them in any way, shape, or form, Game on. All right. Biden did finally talk about this document thing the other day in California. He went, it's amazing to me how, like, the devastation in California, it literally stopped raining in California, what, Thursday? Friday, Wednesday? Thursday, Joe Biden's out there in California. Hurricane destroys Florida. Devastating damage. Can't really help Democrats, not a Democrat stronghold. Joe Biden gets out there eh, a week or two later, tours around real quick. Hey, man, yeah, no, this is terrible. Don't worry. We're going to cut your checks. Leaves. The second it stops raining in California, Joe is out there. I'll give you all the money you want. I'll give you even more money than you want. Hey, here's an idea. How about you take the billions you're setting aside for some weird-ass stupid reparations program and use that to rebuild your state? Huh? How about that? Just a thought. Just a thought. Anyway, when he was done speaking at an event, he was asked about the classified document theft. He wasn't actually asked about that. He was The question he finally took was rather pathetic to, to demonstrate just how awful the media is. But the first clip here I want to play is that Joe Biden says, all right, I'm going to take a question. But he's kind of grousing that they're not asking him a question about the disaster relief that he's out there pimping, which they would if he had taken questions before. The problem is the guy's been running away like a, a, a scared little kid from a mouse for the past 10 days. So when you finally get a chance to ask him a question, you're going to ask about the biggest story at the time because... Who cares, honestly, about what's going on in California relative to that? California will be taken care of. President's going to cut as big a check as possible. It's our money, and they will rebuild. That's just what happens. Standard fare for all of these things. But he's mad. I remember when 
Donald Trump used to talk about, here's what you should be asking about. Here's what you should. And the media did what? They were like, can you believe it? We're not going to be lectured about what to ask by the president. Who, who is the president? It's a threat to the First Amendment. It's a threat to journalism and free speech to have the president trying to tell journalists what they should and should not be caring about and should and should not be asking about. There's no such anger or outrage or how dare you pearl clutching from uh, Democrat media now that it's Joe Biden doing it. But pay attention, because Joe Biden, before he gets around to taking a question in this clip, says, well, it's uh, really, you should be asking me questions about this thing. And he doesn't, it's pretty clear he doesn't remember what the hell he's there for. He doesn't remember any of it. So he just kind of uses general terms. It's sad, really. You should ask me questions about the thing I can't remember. You should be asking me questions about that I'm here for. Doesn't say it that way, but it is the subtext. We owe more than I could take time to talk about today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, the only, I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. You know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on, and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. <laughs> We have a serious question that's going on here, and you don't ask me questions about uh, what's going on. Whatever the hell it was, they turned the teleprompter off. I can't remember what it was. Well, honestly, there's really no questions. What are you going to do? Are you going to give California the money? You just gave a speech about how you're going to give California the money. That's about it. What are the expected? Are you going to put on some hip boots and go down and dig out some of the mudslide from the roads? What kind of question is there that remains unanswered? The president has pledged a fortune in disaster relief. All right, well, now we know what's going to happen. But about this other thing that you've been studiously avoiding, running away from, screaming like a girl and trying to get away from, how about that? Maybe ask about that. So then this reporter, these reporters get their chance. And this one reporter, I don't know who it is, some female reporter, gets a chance to ask a question. Now, you could ask anything. You could ask anything. Why did you take these documents? Why were documents found throughout your home from the Obama-Biden administration? That, that Does that indicate that you went through them, that you had been accessing them, not just as president possibly, but while you were not president, when you had no access? To, you took these things without any authorization, blah, blah, blah. Why did you store some documents at the Penn Biden Center that was funded by Chinese communist money, $50 million. What was the nature of these documents? What was the topic? Were you, did your son look at them? Did, what, any of your son's business people? You've lied repeatedly about never meeting with any of your son's business partners, yet we've got picture after picture after picture of all of these people with you while you're vice president, while you're overseeing, say, Ukraine policy, Ukrainian businessmen meeting with the president. We have emails from your son saying, hey, man, I've brought everybody you've asked me to, to the vice president's office. We've given you all the access you want. Now you've got to come up with some money. We've got all this stuff. Could have asked anything. Instead, the question is, and you'll barely be able to hear it. I, I made it as loud as possible, but you might not be able to hear it. Do you have any regrets? Do you regret not telling the American public that you were a uh, violator of the Espionage Act and that you stole classified government documents. This is a paraphrase. 
But do you, do you regret not telling the American people before the election? Hell no, he doesn't regret it. His side won. It's like asking Harry Reid, do you regret lying about Mitt Romney's taxes on the floor of the Senate? When he was asked that, his answer was, he didn't win, did he? Because that's the priority. No, Joe Biden doesn't regret it. It's just a stupid question. But imagine you have all the questions. All the questions. This guy has lied to the American people. Not only did he hide it from the American people before the election, when he did acknowledge it back in the, uh, I think it was January 9th or whatever, he lied about it. This one time at band camp, this one time we did this, we did, and he knew that there were two other instances at least, maybe three other instances, where classified documents were found. But he only acknowledged the one. He already knew because the stuff was found in December. And he lied again. There's no question about that. It's, do you regret not telling people? Do you regret winning politically through subterfuge would be another way to put it. But hell no, he doesn't. He'd have to have a conscience to do that. Are you familiar with the Bidens? But having said that, what's your question? Do you have any regrets that you did not reveal the as we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. Yeah, I'm following with the lawyers. Why are the lawyers telling you stuff, man? Why are you hiding behind lawyers? If you did nothing wrong, why are you hiding behind lawyers, Mr. President? And actually, there's no question whatsoever. You did something wrong. You were not allowed to have those documents. And you had those documents. It doesn't matter if you just swept them up because you were in a hurry and threw everything on your desk in a bag, or you set them aside because you wanted to sell them later. The possession of those documents by, by you is the crime, is the wrong. The manner in which they came into your possession or the lazy way in which you stole them is irrelevant. It truly is. But this is that's the one question they got. Do you have any regrets? You have to have a conscience to have any regrets. As we wrap up the program, I want to play you the vice president. I don't even know where she was speaking, somewhere out west, talking about electricity. And if if Kamala Harris is in charge of electricity, if she's out there speaking about electricity, I buy batteries or something. Find a get a generator, something. Because everything she's put in charge of goes to absolute hell. Everything she's in charge of, the border. Just forget it, man. What a disaster. So if she's now has something to do, and I don't know it to be true, just giving you a heads up. If she now has something to do with the electrical grid in this country, well, I guess it'd be either her or Secretary Mayor Pete as the, the good Lord. No, not Mayor Pete. I don't know. Uh, but whoever it is, is going to be wildly incompetent. And Kamala is speaking about it is scary. But I'm not playing you this because of the stupidity of the content, although you will note the stupidity of the content. I'm playing you this to note the delivery. 
the condescending, awful tone in her voice. Now, if I'm talking to you, I'm saying, here's how... Here's how healthcare works, okay? You get, you do the, and then you go to the doctor, and then you, and you ask, you tell the doctor what's wrong with you. You'd sit there and you go, God, what are you, you're, ugh. And what I'm saying would be true, but it's so basic and so condescending that you would have no choice but to think, what do you, what do you think, I'm an idiot? I don't know the basics of these things? What the hell? That's how Camel is talking about our electric grid to an audience of human beings and to television cameras for human beings across the country and around the world. That's what I hear when I hear Kamala talk. Today, America has more than half a million miles of transmission lines, enough to wrap around the globe 24 times. These lines connect the power plants where electricity is created to homes and businesses and schools and hospitals across our nation. Think about it, every time you turn on a light or charge your laptop or plug in your air conditioner or put leftovers in the fridge, you rely on the power delivered by our nation's network of transmission lines. Now, if I told you she was talking to a group of kindergartners whilst discussing the contents of a coloring book called Electricity and How It Works, you would believe me, because that's what it sounds like. But she was not. She was speaking to a group of adults. <laughs> Just, and here's how, and it goes to the hospital, and it goes to the schools, and it goes to your home, and it goes, well, does it go to the mall too? Yes, it goes to the mall too. But does it go to the car dealership? It does go to the car It goes everywhere, all right? We're not idiots. We get it. Well, you use it every time you turn on the microwave, and every time you turn on a light, and every time you turn on an electric stove, and every, t does it do anything when we turn on a, when we open the refrigerator, when you put your leftovers in the fridge, and you just sit there and you go, I'm not, I'm not five, okay, uh, Madam Vice President, I'm raise my hand, I'm, we're all adults here, okay, we have electricity, we pay electric bills, we, I'm surprised she didn't say, and you should see, when you see a downed power line, you should not go up and jump on it. You should not use it as a jump rope as it's arcing. You should not uh, go and lick the arcing fire. Like, oh, okay, we get it. We get it. But when I was hearing her condescend to every human being, the fact that she regurgitates whatever it is that her speechwriter wrote for her, that's something that basic, makes me think that maybe she's as basic as she thinks. If you read this, you go, oh, I didn't realize that I was engaging in electricity when I put the leftovers in the refrigerator. Oh, and you turn on a light switch? That's the, uh, that's electricity too? You mean that same electricity that I use to uh, prolong the life of my leftovers goes to schools too and allows for there to be light and dark and air? Who knew? This is a, let's put a speech together. As I was listening to this garbage, I had a song going through my head. Now, this is uh, an old schoolhouse rock thing. The only part I remembered was uh, the chorus. Where is electricity, electricity. So as I was grabbing this audio for the show today, I listened to it, and you listen to it, and you almost think, did her speechwriters plagiarize parts of this? I mean, it is, she is associated with Joe Biden. Plagiarism is not beyond the realm of possibility. 
But this is actually far too informative and intelligent for it to have come out of Kamala Harris's mouth. When you're in the dark and you want to see, you need a electricity, electricity. Flip that switch and what do you get? You get a electricity, electricity. Every room can now be lit with just a electricity, electricity. Where do you think it all comes from? This powerful electricity, electricity. Through high wires to here it comes. They're bringing a electricity, electricity. Every building must be wired to use it. To electricity, electricity. Power plants most all use fire to make it a electricity, electricity. Burning fuel and using steam, they generate electricity, electricity. Now it goes on, it's like three minutes long, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but that's essentially Kamala Harris's speech, was it not? Was it not? Like, did you, except that uh, Schoolhouse Rock had respect for the intelligence of their audience. Kamala Harris did not. I, I, you can't you go watch the whole thing. It is, it's hard to find, actually, because there's so many other songs about electricity. But you do Schoolhouse Rock electricity, and you'll find that. And it's, it's just straight-up lift of Kamala Harris's speech. Lastly, I want to play you this uh, local news report about a trans woman not allowed to join an all-female gym because uh, he's a dude. If you see this video, it's in my Twitter feed, you see this video, yeah, no, this guy needs to go to a gym. There's no question about that. But there's also no question that it's a man. It is a man. Doesn't matter how he supposedly lived for years. 28-year-old Bridget Klein Simpson has identified as a woman for years, and she wants to get into better shape, so she went to the Body Works gym for women in Parksville for a membership. Klein Simpson says she was initially welcomed, but after one workout, she was informed she was not allowed at the women's only gym. Saying, sorry, we made a mistake. You're not actually allowed to be here, but you're more than welcome to use the co-ed facility. And uh, I kind of just hung up because I was... I mean, I was extreme, extreme, devastated. I mean, there's really no other word for it. Extremely devastated. There's no, that, that's a, that's obviously a guy. I mean, you can just hear it in the way. Wasn't allowed to go in there as a drag. I was in the, uh, the ladies' locker room and they didn't appreciate that I was complaining about the complete lack of urinals. And, uh, you know, and, and, and <laughs> just from a place of pure hatred. They they threw me out and said I could go to the co-ed gym. Ah. Again, I don't think it's going to make a difference in your overall weight, but I can think of something you could have removed that would take at least a little bit of weight off that might actually then maybe have you in the gym, according to policy, or at least a hell of a lot closer. Just a thought. I'm a horrible person. All right, that is an I am a horrible person. That's enough for today. It's, I'm dealing with sick kids. I got to go deal with sick kids. You got to do what you got to do. We'll have everything else that's going on in the world tomorrow on the show. I know, provided, I though I do feel a little bit more snot than normal. Not snottier, but, you know, that's a state of mind. But a little bit more bug 
than I'm comfortable with. So I'm taking my Zycam. Hopefully I can head this off at the I wish you could get the thing is everything that's like good medicine wise that I know works, even the kids version starts at like age six. And Quinn isn't age six yet as much as she desperately wants to be age six. And so she's stuck with all the little kid crap. And it's just like, oh, come on. You got uh, it. You got everything for kids that start at age six. She's three foot ten, which is amazing. And she's 50 pounds. So she got that going for her. Anyway, the winner of the autographed book gets a copy of Roosevelt's Sweeps Nation by David Petrusha. All I know is it's Brandon. This could be Joe Biden for all I know. I asked uh, Brandon, check your messages. I sent you an email asking for your address. And if it comes back as 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I, uh, I'm going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> I'll hand deliver that one to you. But uh, no, I probably won't. I still, even if I got a chance, I'm not sure. I'd, if I could interview him, if I get a half an hour with Joe Biden, no holds barred, I'd go into Washington, D.C. I'd leave the house. But otherwise, probably wouldn't. That means we have another competition. Where the hell did I put that book? Damn it, this, I am, there it is. I'd lose, as my mother used to say, I'd lose my head if it weren't attached to my body. So that means Senator Mike Lee, the Freedom Agenda, coming back for more. Another round, another chance to win signed Mike Lee book. Or A Time to Build by uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever interviewed, Yuval Levin autographed copy of that he's wildly famous amongst intellectual circles and whatnot uh be able to google his name if you don't know who he is you you will and uh, his latest book a time to build so there you go patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast or derek hunter.locals.com or both go to town I'm not ain't too proud i am too proud to beg but i ain't too proud to pitch and push and promote. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm already ready for a weekend and it's still Sunday. God help me. <sighs> Hope your weekend was better than mine. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Electricity, electricity.